Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with more sex. How you doing, MB? All good, man. All good. How about you? I have no complaints. Uh, life is good here. The end of July, we have reached the dog days of summer. Um, you've made I it to Colorado? A, I did. I'm in uh, Telluride as we speak. Um, okay. I hear you have beautiful weather back home. It's fantastic. 75 and sunny during the day and 55 oh. at night. Yeah, it's perfect. Yep. So you got uh, Fiona all tucked in? Uh, don't jinx it. Um, but yeah, I played her uh, last week's episode and she made it to about six <laughs> minutes and that was that. <laughs> you know, um, it occurred to me that uh, sometimes uh, when people give uh, others pet names, a pet name for Fiona might be Fee. Mm -hmm. You see where I'm going with this? I know where you're going. You're really so, gonna you're you're really gonna twist the yeah. knife on our okay. Uh, well, so um, in December of 2009, our good friend Ed took me to my first Fish concert, and that was back when they had um, seats in front before mm -hmm. it was all GA, and mm -hmm. we were you know row one A. And uh, I think I have to check. I think they opened with Wilson, mm -hmm. and uh, 90 seconds in, it was my my life was changed. Amazing. So, okay. So, um, uh, our good friend Ed uh, has been to, I'm guessing, at least 40 fish concerts, mm -hmm. and he's heard pretty much every song except <laughs> Fee, and so. Uh, I took it upon myself to, you know, as Liam said, twist the knife. <laughs> and so for a long time, I noticed a lot of license plates out <laughs> east that began F-E-E. -E. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I would take pictures of these plates. <laughs> I've gotten these texts. Them, yeah, and send them over to Ed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know. It's like mm -hmm. the gift that keeps on giving. Yep, right. Absolutely. There's nothing worse than chasing a song. Mm. Oh my god! And and I've seen it a few times, and uh, you know, it's it's okay, mm -hmm. it's okay. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. anyway, <laughs> anyway. So, how was your week? Uh, it was good. You know, it flies by this time of year, you know, when the days are nice and, uh, and, and they're long daylight hours and work is busy. They, you know, you look down and it's Tuesday and the next thing you know, it's Thursday and Friday and, uh, away we go. Yeah. Um, but talk about boring. Um, did, you know, the, the, the fed speech, do you want to talk, do we have to talk about that? Are we obligated to our listeners that, uh, that actually tune in for an education? Um, do we have to talk about the fed? Well, I, I, you know, it's, uh, one man's ceiling is another man's floor. I, I thought that was fantastic. Okay. Why? Because he ratified everything I've been saying. Okay. What did he talk about? He talked about, um, making sure that the tools that the fed has are fully employed until we're back at full employment mm -hmm. especially those who have suffered the most and have been the least capable to bear the suffering mm -hmm. and um you know to me that's just him coming out and telling you they're going to keep doing what they're doing 
until we get uh, minority unemployment down to ridiculously low numbers. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the concept of inflation, um, they're going to talk about and they're going to discuss it. And uh, they're going to wait because they have a dual mandate. Right. But, um, you know, I think they're going to work their way through it. So mm-hmm. uh, I rather enjoyed that press conference. Okay. I, mean, I, yeah. I know, I know, I know I, I'm not all that exciting of a guy, but, you know, it's <laughs> it's kind of what mm-hmm. I like. And um, so. And not a whisper of dissent. Is that, does that make a. Does that make a, a difference to you, or is that much to do about nothing? Well, you know, it's um, everybody wants to be a hero in their own story. So, you know, when these guys get out of the meeting, they're all given their view, and, oh, mm-hmm. we're going to do this, and, oh, we're going to do that, and then it's going to be, yeah, okay, oh, I'll do what they tell me to do. Right, right, right. Got it. Um, so, you know, there's been more chatter in the press about Lael Brainerd, Mm-hmm. Have you seen about mm-hmm. her becoming the Fed chairperson? Um, yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Not um, the understudy, not the understudy. What's the 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 one in waiting? The one uh, the word is going to drive me nuts. But she's next I'm in line. One, she's next. Yeah. She's next. Yeah, the heir apparent. Thank you. Thank you. See? Sure, yeah, like those two you. gals, heir apparent to J.P. Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what well, in one twenty twenty nine? I think it's thirty at uh, twenty thirty one, but <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, twenty nine thirty one, whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, thank uh, you. Yeah, no problem. Um, so uh, this is the portion of the show where uh, I like to go back and review what I screwed up from the last show. There we and, go. Uh, I know, I know, you're not a big fan of this, but just humor me. Mm-hmm. So the Chicago stockyards closed in nineteen seventy one. Not. 1980, which I speculated. And um, Saul Alinsky, I believe, was just a student at the University of Chicago, not a professor. So now that uh, I've gotten that monkey off my back, um, I've been rather excited to talk to you uh, Mm -hmm. because um, uh, I had sent you a YouTube video about uh, by a, a guy that I used to work for. And uh, before we discuss it, um, I just would like to talk about briefly how lucky I've been that there were a number of people throughout my career that helped me uh, kind of grow into the person or the professional that I had become, and there were uh, many people, and this fellow we're going to talk about was one of the guys that I learned from because of his positive behavior. And there were more guys that I learned by their bad behavior, but it's trying to, you know, this is an interesting situation. So let me give it a little brief introduction, and then I'd like to hear your take on the thing because, um, you know, you're kind of new to the game and I'd like to see what you think. But so basically uh, I knew uh, once I saw the, the, from the visitors gallery, the floor of the Chicago board of trade that I had to work on the floor. There was just something just so cool and exciting about it. And I'm like, this is for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately uh, my parents uh, belonged to a, 
a golf club that was near my house. And there were a number of uh, commodity traders at the Board of Trade that were, were members there. And um, so I had known these some of these guys for a number of years. And, and then, uh, you know, I think after a couple of summer jobs in accounting, uh, I asked, and for my cousin Henry as a stockbroker, I asked one of the guys if he wouldn't mind giving me a job on the floor for the summer, because that was a fairly common thing. And uh, so I went to work for this fellow, and he had a group of guys that he uh, he worked with as a team. And um, one of the fellows who was on this team, his name is Johnny Muso, who uh, was the first man known as the Italian Stallion, wow. not not Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Musa was a running back at Alabama and um, All-American type. And he, um, I think, might have played briefly for the Chicago Bears. But anyway, he ended up on the floor. And um, he was friends with a man named Charlie D. Francesca, a.k.a. Charlie D. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until many years later, after I had worked for Johnny and Charlie and a fellow named Sandy and uh, Ricky, that uh, I realized what a hitter Charlie D was. Just because, you know, I was 19, 20 years old. And what year is this? 1980, 81, 82. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, it's one of those things. You're like a kid, and and so when a guy that's a bit older than you is nice to you, and seems like you know you're sitting around eating slices of pizza at the end of the day or having a drink with them or something, you're just like a normal guy, right? But you know, it turns out he was one of the legit guys, <laughs> and uh, they wrote a book about him. He was one of these unfortunate guys that grew up in a house that was like directly next to like a power line, like a high voltage transmission. And mm-hmm. I think him and a bunch of his siblings like died of cancer or something. Yeah. It's just a tragic story. Yeah. But, lymphoma uh, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it, it might mm-hmm. have been that, mm-hmm. but, but as, as I told you, I have that book and I'll give it to you. And it was really, mm-hmm. really, really poorly written. I heard. Yeah. It's a great story. And yep. he's a great man. And mm-hmm. so, um, anyway, with that introduction, uh, and it's on YouTube, and you'll you'll post the link to it on the website. Okay, yeah, good. So please, I, I'm very interested to hear what you what you thought, and and if, especially if you have questions, um, fire away. All right. Well, I you know it's a lot of tech talk, so but it's just to set it up to frame it. It's a uh, it's a grainy video okay from 1989 that looks like a a hotel ballroom conference all right and he's an unassuming guy with that real thick wisconsin accent and he's got a couple i don't know call it a hundred guys in the room and he taught all right so he talks tech stuff about i'm going to give you i'm here to um, you know if you're a new trader i'm going to introduce you um and i'm going to give you some rules about 
yada, yada, yada. And he gets real into the tech. But the way he commanded the room and the way he spoke for two hours straight Mm -hmm. and just the the insight and the knowledge that he shared for free. Okay, Mm -hmm. so this is so this is 1989. You know, I said to you, this should be mandatory viewing for anyone that's going to go work. I said any on Wall Street, but even anywhere on Main Street, just the things like decibel level of your voice. All right. Eye contact, expanding your pit, all of those things that he was just rattling off tip after tip after tip. It was it was just gripping. And just for two hours, I just sat there. I mean, 40, you know, 40 percent of it when it, when he's using technical jargon about, you know, six for 10, blah, 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 blah. That went over my head. But still, even if you don't understand any of that, just the gravitas that that guy had. Um, and then after I watched the speech and I Google him and you can't read a lot of much, uh, much about him cause he was relatively private, but the stuff that you can read just the, you know, the glowing reports of how good of a man he was, like you said, mm-hmm. but also how he moved positions as big as some of the major banks. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he was just you know, that two hours of knowledge that he dropped in that video. And if you see, there's only like 6,000 views or something like that. And I said, you know, like, how could anyone that works in money, finance, investing, or any sort of management position has to watch that video? Oh, it was just fantastic. And then you said, you know, I, you know, I work for this guy. So now I want to hear how it overlapped yeah. and, and like your experience with it. Yeah. Well, f- first of all, I want to applaud you for taking a look at it and taking something away from it and not getting lost in the jargon, right? Because, yeah, yeah, he does a lot of six for 10, you know, seven for 10, seven bit, eight bit, nine bit, at eight, at seven, at six. And and I understood the whole thing. And, you know, um, and if anybody listens to this thing and, tries to reverse engineer what that stuff means there's no point because that stuff doesn't exist anymore but what i've impressed and and one of the things i always admire about you is just your ability to look at things and kind of put them in proper context and and um uh uh so well done there um you know my personal interactions with them were very logistical it's like mm-hmm. i need more trading cards uh here's a hundred bucks order a couple of pizzas from uno's and uh get pick them up after the close and we'll go upstairs and eat them mm-hmm. uh you know how's your mod doing uh mm-hmm. yeah y- y- you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. um, i see you're keeping a point and figure chart what do mm-hmm. you think of the market uh mm-hmm. you know that that kind of thing but that's um, what he says. Even he he says that in the speech, hang around by the big dogs. So you were doing that, yeah. you know, like you're the kid. Yeah. He said, if you want to learn in the pit, hang out by the big dogs and, and watch what they're doing. If, what, what if they're doing six for 10, you do the same thing. He said, you know, that's what he's, he was just trying to teach. So, you know, that's, yeah. you're living that. Yeah. That's just, that's how you, that's well, how you're, when you're like a sponge, you get that, you know? Yeah. So one of the things, and, and I got to tell you, I, I'll, I'll I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to do a very good job of transmitting all of the thoughts I have about this, because this was, for me, a really an, an emotional uh, situation, because I was going back and forth between 
watching him on the on the the uh, yeah yeah the, the YouTube, and then watching an interview with Kirill Sokolov, who I think highly of, and Kathy Wood, and uh, so you know, there's this juxtaposition of two very different things. And uh, I, I just wish I could somehow succinctly ex- to describe this. And so if it comes out good, great. If I fuck it up, then I apologize. But the, f- the first thing I want to mention, and uh, you pointed it out um, about Charlie D being in a room uh, talking to, you know, not just young traders, but any trader that wanted to listen, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think we had emailed and talked about wonder what, well, like, how much did it cost to go? And I'm like, I, mm-hmm. it would have been free. There's no way. That, okay. Now, um, there was a thing about Chicago, at the Chicago Board of Trade in particular, which, you know, I never saw when I came to New York. So what I mean is this. Um, when I was on the floor, uh, I'm like, I'm doing this. When I graduate, I'm going to get uh, 25000 bucks somehow. Was That was like the magic number. Uh-huh. You get twenty five grand. you put it in a trading account, you lease a seat for three grand a month, yep. and you stand in the pit, and you put your capital at risk. And and I had the whole thing. I may have sold this to you. Like, my plan was to make like 10 ticks a day. That's $781.12 a day yeah, times yeah. five days times four weeks. And that, in between that and what Cheryl was going to make, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but uh, so I'm working for this fellow and I'm, I'm, I'm loath to give out names because I don't know whether people like it or not. So I'm going to avoid this one fellow's name just out of respect for privacy. But uh, when I told him my plan, he says, here, this is what you do. You finish your, your, your bachelor's, you get a master's because he knew I could get a master's in a year. He said, then go to work in a bank in the bond department for a year or two, learn the bond, learn the cash market. They, they just called it mm-hmm. the cash market. Mm-hmm. And then you come back and I'll stake you. Wow. That's, that's how Chicago was mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. The, board, the Chicago board trade. And mm-hmm. I had, you know, a handful of people that were willing to give me a, give me a shot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, that's just how it was, you know? And, yeah. and the thought was yeah. that if you made it down the road, you were going to pay it forward. And, and, and then for me, you know, I got to continental bank and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, working in the bank. Um, first of all, they had traders there too, mm-hmm. and they sat in front of the screens. They were the cash traders, and uh, so immediately, I like this because um, they didn't have to stand all day. That's number <laughs> one. Mm-hmm. Number two, um, and this is now for coming from a twenty-two or twenty-three-year-old, the traders had their lunch brought to them at their desk. Wow. For free. Mm, incredible. So mm-hmm. so that right? So mm-hmm. like you had me at hello? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of okay. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, I morphed into a, a cash trader. 
but that's that's how I you know kind of that was my route through uh, the beginnings of the career. But you know the it all started on the floor, and um, uh, you know so the things you 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 talked about right because back then you stood in a in a in a pit like a mm-hmm. octagonal thing mm-hmm. and there were there were levels stadiums so yeah the, like a stadium yep yeah and you can you can google image and see mm-hmm. what it is and and so the way it worked was in the bond room the the top step at the the, the very highest point was where the active month traded and then down at the bottom in the in the in the middle is where the back months traded so uh what charlie talks about and what you picked up on is making your presence known right so um you know when i was down there there's probably 300 guys in that pit wow yeah okay okay and so uh the the Johnny Muso and the guy I worked with those guys were brokers. Charlie D was a was a local, meaning he mm-hmm. just traded for himself. And once again, brokers work for clients, and the locals trade their own capital. So um, I would be standing on the top step with my face looking out to the desks. And the brokers would be behind me facing into the pit. And so um, orders would come in with the paper, and I would look at the, the paper. And if I knew that it was an order that would be executed very quickly, depending on the size, I would hand it to Sandy or Johnny or Ricky, uh, depending. Like. Mm-hmm. Johnny got the big ones. Sandy got the next ones. Interesting. Yeah. And then Ricky got the little ones. And then if um, it wasn't near the market, let's say it was a buy well below the market or so well above the market, I would put it in what we called our deck. And so you'd have a, a sheet of paper that was, you know, let's call it five by three. I, I'm mm-hmm. bad with dimensions. I just made mm-hmm. it up, but picture that. And the clerk on the phone would write down, you know, sell three uh, USH ones at 87.16. And I'd look at it. And if, if the market was 87, even I would know that it's way above the market. Mm-hmm. And so I would fold it in half and I would stick it in the part of the deck that was above the market. Wow. And as yeah. the market moved, I would wow. be shifting the deck with the brokers mm-hmm. as the fills would come out. I would, you know, generally as funny as it sounds, if you had a fill, the broker would hand you the fill. He would write down who he did it with. So his badge letters, yep. his clearinghouse numbers, the price. Okay. I would look at it and make sure all the information was there. And then I would just throw it on the floor. <laughs> Wow. And the yeah. runners would be coming. And based on the, the – they knew that, like, we filled for Hutton. Okay. And let's say Hutton was orange. Yeah. Uh, he would be looking for an orange sheet of paper. They picked wow. it up. Or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so this was – talk about, like, 
you know, being yeah. puppy heaven. My mm-hmm. God, I had mm-hmm. so much fun. Because just yeah. imagine, because it's it's physical. Yep. You're, jo- mm-hmm. you're jostling, mm-hmm. right? And because guys are yelling and screaming. So in, in your video, Charlie's going six bit at seven, six bit at seven, six bit at seven. And, and meaning, so if a broker wants to sell sixes, he looks over and says, hey, sold you five at six. And they would card it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if if Charlie wasn't saying six, seven, six, seven, if he was just standing there, the broker wouldn't know to sell him. Yeah. Or if he was just saying six, seven, six, seven, six, seven, yep. the broker would never hear him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so once again, pointing out your, your point, it's like, speak up. Yeah. But he talks Make about eye contact. And he talks about practicing at home. He said, go home and practice about like your decibel level where you want to raise it and raise it and raise it and raise it. But you don't want to be sounding like you're screaming and panicking. You want to have confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Like he just, you know, he spent like five minutes just on that little like minutia, that detail. Um, Let me ask you a question. Yeah. I mean, back when you and I used to do the group rides and I would have my moments of, I mean, I, yep. I yep. would imagine I sounded a whole lot bigger than 5'10", 145 pounds. You could, and, and through the tone, when you knew, even if you were 10 guys ahead or 10 guys behind, and you heard the tone and the decibel level combined, you knew yeah. there was some, yeah, like, yeah. 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 No, I know. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an great. incredible skill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he talked about making eye contact and how even when you're taking your losses, like learn, f- like get something yes. out of it, saying that, like, yes. look, sell it to this guy and it'll come back to you. It might not be today, but now you've built a relationship with that guy. You've expanded the pit again, which, you know, he, which makes sense. I mean, the more people that you can interact with, the more money. Yeah. It was just, it was yeah. two hours of just incredible, you know? Um, yeah. Well, I'm, uh, first of all, I'm tickled pink that you enjoyed it. And uh, I'm grateful because it was very emotional for me because that there was a lot going on in my life at that time. You know, my father had passed away in 1979. My grandfather passed away in 1980. You know, things at home were, you know, I won't give you a tale of woe, but challenging and i felt like and i don't want to be too you know touchy-feely but yeah i felt like i found my place and um ah so that and that and there in that pit huh that's that you know yeah yeah you know it's it's that self it's it's watching guys okay walk into that pit and it's them, right? You can stand there all day long, and unless you make something happen, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And and so because I can't go an entire uh, podcast without bitching about something, I want to I want to I want to hit something that may or may not have been lost on you. So the bond contract in the grand scheme of commodities was relatively new commodities futures trading started in i think the 1800s 
probably because farmers needed money to buy supplies and they didn't get the money till they sold their crop and the banks didn't want to loan the money because they didn't know how much the car farmers were going to get for their crop, right? So if mm-hmm. the farmer could lock in a sale price, he could say, look, I sold the, the beans at $5.38 a bushel. Over the last 10 years, I've produced 100,000 bushels. It's going to be half a million bucks, whatever the math is. And the bank would lend against it. And then why would anyone take the other side of the trade? Well, the guy baking the bread is like, well, I know if I can buy wheat at $2.22 a bushel, I'm going to lock in my profit margin. Mm-hmm. So you had a market where you had people that needed to fix in a price to sell and fix in a price to buy. And so um, you had a natural, what they call hedgers, right? But to take it a step further, this is all plain English, right? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So you've got hedgers, which are necessary to any kind of futures market. Then you need to bring in speculators. Why? You need to bring in speculators because when the the farmer goes to sell his wheat, the guy, the baker who needs to buy the wheat may not be there till tomorrow. So the, the speculator takes the price risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, if he's right, he makes some money. And if he's wrong, he loses some money, but you know, therein develops the bid offer spread, that kind of thing. So that's sort of the evolution of the uh, of how the futures market started. So when you look at the original pictures of the Chicago Board of Trade, the black and white photos, where it's like the trading floor was like four stories high. Yep, yep. Okay. That was the original where they traded the grains. Okay. So sometime in the late 70s, uh, there was a fellow, Dr. Richard Sandor, okay. uh, who I uh, had the pleasure of working with a little bit as a client. Um, they came up with uh, a Ginny Make futures contract, which it wasn't a great contract, but it developed the need and the interest of Wall Street, and they developed the bond contract. And so at that point, at that time, there wasn't uh, a lot of interest in it. So they carved out a little space at the Board of Trade called the South Room. Which Interesting. The, if you look at, at the picture of the building, Chicago Board of Trade, looking down at LaSalle Street, the, when you're in the, in the room, the, grain, the original grain room is on the north side of the building. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the South Room was this little kind of hallway and uh it was so tight that the locals would get there and charlie mentioned this charlie said his brother would get there at midnight at midnight and they'd fucking sit in the pit and and they'd sleep yep and then guys would get there at like two in the morning Mm -hmm, and, mm and and so um I bring this up for a couple of reasons. 
first of all, it was it's just kind of a cute story. But for and we can edit this out in post production. But I'm going to say this and and, and take artistic license for all those whiny little pricks talking about you know how many hours they got to work. Okay, you're talking about grown men. Okay, sleeping on the floor. Okay, the market didn't open till like seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, to get their spot. Now, if if uh, our seventeen year old is listening, uh, he may wonder why did the the locals have to get there uh, so early? And the reason is is because the locals needed to carve out their spot. The brokers. They're the ones that, as Charlie described it, handed out the fairy dust. So seeing in my time, I could get there right five minutes before the bell because I was a broker assistant. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, you know, I got treated with Mm -hmm. kid gloves. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, if if I knew more. I, I'm glad I didn't know more because I'm sure that I could have gotten payola from mm-hmm. from uh, scalpers from locals and stuff. Yeah, because yep. you know you can help direct mm-hmm. order mm-hmm. flow and, and no, you and, think that went on in Chicago? <clears throat> I, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. <laughs> Richard Daly, Chicago. <laughs> You do know that the FBI had a sting operation in there. Did they really? Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh What year yeah. is oh. this? What year is this? Ah, uh, fuck. I, you know. Ah, really? Early, early 90s. Okay, wow. Yeah, that's not long ago. So, basically, um, this was in the days of analog. Yeah. Right. Not mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. meaning not digital. So understood. Um, yeah. You would get an order, and it would be, you know, whatever, and uh, you know how you filled it. You know, it was there was integrity involved. Yeah. And uh, not everybody had had integrity, and mm-hmm. so um, I can say. On hard on my hand on a stack of Bibles, that our our crew one hundred percent legit. Mm-hmm. Okay, everything yep. I saw and was involved in. Okay, mm-hmm. um, right uh, right to the letter of the law. Mm-hmm. But equally, I can tell you, I saw shit that went on down there that I'm like. Are you fucking kidding me? Wow. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to go through it, but uh, we could do a whole show on how people steal money from, from clients and stuff like that, which once again, you know, kept all these things I saw kept pushing me to the proprietary trading and because proprietary traders didn't trade with clients. Okay. So to me, every trade I did was either with a broker or with a um, uh, a sales guy 
mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. was representing the client. So mm-hmm. I never had this direct contact, and uh, uh, you know that way you you, you wouldn't have uh, any potential conflicts of interest. So, what do you? Why'd you bring up Kathy Wood and? Uh, okay, and uh, well, because um, you know, uh, since you were talking about integrity, I'm 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 glad you asked me that. And this is the part that it, it, it gets a little murky for me because um, so she's the flavor of the month, right? I mean, for the, for the last six months. Okay. Or a year. I mean, so yeah, she, yeah, let's call it the year. So she made in the year 2020. Okay. She made 150%. Okay. Awesome. Uh, this year she's down. Okay, so um, and once again, as I as we started the the, the podcast, I told you I, I don't know how I was going to get through this, mm-hmm. but there's part of this that bugs me a little bit. Part of it is the cover Sports Illustrated effect, mm-hmm. and you know, um, I mean, it's a little disingenuous to say. I'm not a big believer in being in the public eye when we have a number one rated hit podcast, exactly. from coast to, not only coast to coast, but globally, mm-hmm. uh, Sark. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, she's out everywhere all the time yapping it up. Okay. So there's elements of that that just sticks in my craw, right? So uh, we have a friend who you know of, but you have not met. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the cycling guys who mm-hmm. has since moved away. But he and I worked at Greenwich Capital starting in 1992. So we've known each other 1992. That's eight, 21, mm-hmm. 29 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and he is a, a very uh, eccentric guy. And uh, I love the guy to death. Might bring love a book. Might bring a stack of books or a bottle of tequila to the party, right? Or both. You, you never know, right? Okay. You, ne- you never know. Got it. Um, in his sphere, okay, world class. Okay, world class. Anyway, um, so uh, years ago, I had a long talk with my friend Leslie Harris. And, you know, I was always complaining about the stock market and Leslie's always done very, very well in the stock market. And he had kind of said to me in, in some way, shape or form, he's like, you just don't believe you can make money in stocks. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I don't believe it. And so I'm going to try. So I decide I'm going to think about what stocks might be good. And, and I, you know, I don't have any real great ideas. So I talked to the bicycle friend of mine who is, I wouldn't say he's financially savvy. That's not his kill zone, but his expertise is drilling down on stuff. So we were talking about something and 
they Microsoft had just hired that guy. The the I think he's the Indian fellow Nar, Nardell. Okay. Whatever his name is, he's the guy that's running it now. Mm-hmm, okay. mm-hmm. And so the the my friend says this guy is the guy. Like he's going to make this thing big time. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Microsoft and it was like, I don't know, 50 bucks a share. And so I look at the balance sheet and they got a shit ton of cash and the dividend yield might've been three or 4% or two, whatever it was. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, this is as good as anything I'm going to pick. So I, I, I bought a slug of it and mm-hmm. it immediately went down. And uh, I'm like, you know what? We're going to just hang on to this thing. And it started to go up a bit and it went to, I don't know, 55 or 60. And I did something I never had done before, which is something I had seen Leslie did, which is I added to a winner. Mm-hmm. So, Anyway, I bought a bunch of more, and I held it until Cheryl and I were at Cape Kidnappers in New Zealand in January of 2020, when the virus thing was starting, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. before you and I were mm-hmm. supposed to have dinner at Eugene's Diner, and, and mm-hmm. Amy wouldn't let you go. Okay, yep. So however much I made on that, was unbelievable. Okay. But it had nothing to do with me. It was because my body. Okay. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. let's say that tripled. Okay. The next stock he tells me about Tesla. Mm-hmm. This uh, is when? Maybe a year Four. after, uh, after the, the Microsoft thing. Yeah. So wow. it's, it's at least up. It's up at least fifteen times from when he told me about it, and decent. Uh, and this one I did not buy. Uh, fortunately, my friend crushed mm-hmm. it. Right, in fact, we, the boat. Right, we, we kind of yeah, we kind of tease him because he has a bromance on Elon Musk. I know, hey, I know, it's worked. Okay. I would too if I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so Microsoft's up triple. Tesla's up 15 times. And then the, the final one he tells me, which I did not buy either, was there's a stock called uh, NVIDIA, N-V-D-I-A. Yeah, of course. Okay. So that stock on a split adjusted basis was trading at 30. And I think it's at about 190. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Now, so... My friend said, I told you why he liked Microsoft, right? He liked Tesla because he's like, they got this battery technology and this Elon Musk guy has got it figured out. And Mm -hmm. he had all the things about, you know, people don't need to be able to refuel Mm -hmm. without, you know, Mm -hmm. they can charge at home and and he's going to get the cost down and the the, energy. environmental stuff yeah. and anyway okay so he had that and and then with the nvidia okay it was pretty simple he said look between all the video gaming and all the ev stuff he didn't even 
talk about the Bitcoin mining. Yeah. He said, these guys build the chip that makes all this shit go. Amazing. So that's up. Okay. So Microsoft's the, the, uh, uh, the bastard stepchild, a triple. Mm-hmm. Tesla's up 15 times. And, and NVIDIA is up six times. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Kathy Wood, fantastic. I'm happy mm-hmm. for you. But you know what? You know, uh, don't confuse being smart with being in a bull market. And uh, I still contend now that she's got 50 something billion, 100, you know, some incredible amount of money. Um, and how does this link into the Charlie D, right? Okay. So when I came up into the business, I worked at the Board of Trade, right? I worked for a stockbroker where I, I did the number crunching. I got really drilled into the mechanics of how the market works. So Charlie's telling you six bit at seven, six bit at seven, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you buy it at six, it goes six sellers and you decide you're gonna sell it at five, sell it to a guy at five who may pay back that favor for you, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a simple little thing that you don't have to be a trader. It's like, hey, if you got us to get out of something, give it to someone that's gonna appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Common sense, right? Okay. So I have all this training in how the the gears fit together in the market. Right. And so as I got better and better and better, as he said, I expanded my pit. Right. So what did that mean for Morris Sachs? I started trading more things and I kept building out, building out, building out. Mm -hmm. And it was much more about how do you run a business than how smart are you? Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, yep. and so the, 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 the Kathy Wood thing, and so I watched the, the, these interviews are cut up into 18 mm-hmm. segments. And she's like, you know, I, I had the top battery analyst and we realized that Tesla had the best battery. And, and I'm thinking, you know, okay, great. What if, mm-hmm. what if, uh, what if they committed fraud, and yep. uh, what if, what if it was Lansdowne Motors or the what was the guy that with the gravity DeLorean. drive, <laughs> or, or or you know uh, you know it's like Nicola Nicola who they yeah they charged him with fraud on Friday where he I, rolled the get, truck down a hill yeah let me give you an example of some okay in your car okay. Do you have a low tire pressure monitor? I do. Okay. So just to be clear, if your car is supposed to have the tires at 33 pounds of pressure and they go to 16 pounds of pressure, you'll get a light up on the dashboard. Mm-hmm. Okay. I owned a chunk of the company that invented that. You know how much I made on that? Take a guess. This is going back a while, so we got to go back twenty years. We got to adjust. Um, I don't know. 
what did you make on it? I don't know. It's kind of be something low, like uh, like fifty grand or something like that. Well, take a multiple. I think you probably on. Oh, so if I put times, it, let's at, say, yeah, yeah, you got ten. Let's say you got ten times back. Yeah. Okay. Good guess. Wrong. I got zero. Okay. <laughs> you know. You know why? You know why? Because you can have a great fucking idea. Mm-hmm. And you got to monetize it. Yep. Now, it's, it, and by the way, here, here's another thing, and hopefully I don't get sued for this. Uh, there is a world-renowned hotel on the tip of Long Island that a friend of ours and I developed. Okay. Mm-hmm. From ground zero, we built it up to lifestyles of the rich and famous. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm a, I'm a very, I'm, a, I'm, I've been around the block. No shit, okay. man. So guess how much? <laughs> I don't want to know. Okay. That's so. Don't, don't tell me you lost money on that. <laughs> uh, we lost a hundred and fifty percent. I lost more than my investment. So, you know, you want to take someone that understands disruption and you want to throw in a pandemic, unlimited money, a wild bull market, and you want to talk about how smart they are? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I mean, am I bitter? No, I'm not bitter. I, I'm just like, mm-hmm, you know what? Mm-hmm. Yep. Sometimes, sometimes it works. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it don't. But yep. you know, you got to appreciate the fact that there's a lot of fucking luck in this stuff, and oh, yeah. uh, you know, that's why. Uh, I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't. I'm not a big believer in bragging about when I hit something, because mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I don't know. Have I prevented that? Have I moved this along in a cohesive manner? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're just being nice. No, no, because that video compared to, he talked about, you know, he went over and over. He talked about like taking your losses with integrity, you know, and he talked about, you know, that word came up a lot, you know? And I mean, you're talking about real macho shit in that pit. You know, you're talking real alpha male, nasty elbows up. Um, but he still talked about like not stealing trades and taking your losses with integrity. And just, just those simple things that, like you said, when I asked you, does this stuff still go on? You said, no, it's gone with the dinosaurs, you know, and not just the pit and that activity and the technical stuff he was talking about. But I think that that kind of like old school, you know, I know we talked about there was corrupt shit going on in Chicago, but like that integrity and and sort of that like mutual respect. Um, I don't I don't get that vibe from from some of the current headline acts these days, you know. So so to your point, uh, and I compare this to the cycling. So why, you know, did I like to go to the gimbals and the Wednesday night ride and the Tuesday night ride and Thursday night ride? It's because you got to see the same people. And when I would drive up to Massachusetts, because there was at uh, uh, 
Stonebridge Library or something. There was like a, a race on Saturday and a race on Sunday. And okay. It was like a two-hour drive, and they were like, you know, two-hour road races right in my mm-hmm, kill mm-hmm. zone. And I went to them a couple of times, and I stopped going because guys were nasty. And they were nasty because it's what I called the scorched earth policy. You weren't going to see them again. Mm-hmm. So yep. if they if they butted you or spit at you or punched me, which mm-hmm. happened once, they mm-hmm. didn't give a shit because, like, I'm never seeing that fucking guy again. Yep. But, yep. you know, on the Wednesday ride, you know. See you, uh, see you on Saturday morning. Yeah, I'll see you on Saturday. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you, you had to have a little bit of uh, humanity about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. you, you, you still never waited if somebody crashed. Right. Yeah. Jeez. I meant um, to tell speak- I meant to, go ahead. No, no, please. No, 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 no. no. no I'm waiting. No, you I'm Leadville. waiting for you. Right, so you brought you brought up the bikes, so now I gotta know. Um what are you at? You're at seven thousand feet. How do you feel? Excuse me? I'm at eighty five hundred. I'm at eighty five hundred oh, oh, feet. Are you really you're at eighty five hundred? Yeah. Jeez. How are you yeah. sleeping? You sleeping okay? Pretty good, yeah. Well, I Interesting. Got a clean, I got a clean conscience. <laughs> There's nothing keeping you up at night. You're not worried not about your co- you're not worried about your Coinbase account getting frozen because of your tether involvement. You know, oh that's my not- god, no, yeah. no. Uh, so yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty good. I feel okay. pretty good. Yeah, Jason's right, well. here with me, and oh. um, so uh, he's enjoying a couple of days away from home. With, I know, see peace and quiet. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I, you know, as of uh, yesterday, I've been uh, dry for three weeks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not, good. Not a drink. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And uh, um, my weight's good. Uh, mm. I've been riding just a little bit. Um, Monday, we're going to do a, a five-hour ride, and that'll be the last big ride for. Okay. For a while. Uh, good. Um, All right. I don't know. That's uh, it. Yeah. I'm so. I'm just once again. I'm just so happy you enjoyed that. Uh, that video that was awesome. Yeah, and I would tell guys, don't look at the screen, all right? Because it's filmed in 1989, and it goes in and out of focus, and it can be a distraction. If you just put your headphones on and listen to him talk, all right? And you know, you've got it. If you don't understand all the technical jargon, do not get discouraged. Just stick around and turn the volume up, and you can pick it. You can pick that that video apart and it's two hours. I mean, I, I went through like an hour and 45 minutes of it, but I went back and listened, you know, to certain right. sections. Right. Oh man. Like, like I said, that should be required I, viewing, but you know, for these little kids, they little Goldman Sachs making their PowerPoint presentations. Imagine the balls to make a PowerPoint presentation to your boss complaining about the quality of life. when You're like a, a first year banker at Goldman Sachs. And those kids should watch this video. And remember those guys get into the pit at midnight and these other schleps sitting in a conference room somewhere, soaking up the knowledge from a guy like that. Kids aren't doing that these days, you know? And, and like the fact that that's on video and you can, and you can get the knowledge from that guy. And then if you read his bio and I mean, I spent an hour, you know, sifting through everything I could read about him. Um, yeah. yeah, what a fascinating, incredible man. I, I will make a commitment to you right now if you want, okay? Mm. I don't know how we could necessarily do this for broad distribution, mm-hmm. but it, and it's not an obligation. But 
I would go through that with you with the technical stuff and mm-hmm. explain it to you because yeah. it's not that complicated and uh it's just it's kind of neat and and for me having been in in the the zone with that stuff and yeah. you saw him using his hands right yep yep and for a long time when i was on the cash desk i would be i would be gesticulating with my hands when i was talking on the phone because i was so accustomed like that that neural net pathway yeah so yeah. it'd be the equivalent of a, a, a teenage boy playing a video game, hitting Control Shift Alt A means yeah, punch but, the guy, right? Yep, so for yep. me, you know, it's like seven bit for fifty. It'd be seven for fifty, and I, I was just so stuck in this mode, and yeah, I, yeah. I had to really stop doing it because it looks so peculiar, you know. Yeah, wow. Uh, and, yeah. and by the way, um, I still have my trading coat from the floor. Oh, that's wow. Yeah. You can NFT it or something. Is that what they do? You can NFT it. <laughs> I'm just, I. You know what? You know, along with the treasure map and uh, mm-hmm, Jungle mm-hmm, Land, I'd like mm-hmm. to be buried in that. You got it. <laughs> Let's, all right. Well, you know, your wife doesn't listen to the show, so you got to put it in writing. But now that it's on air, we we'll have a record of that. You know. All right. Well, listen. Uh, maybe we should quit while we're ahead here. Charlie D. Francesca's night. Charlie D. All right. So just go to YouTube. Charlie D. Francesca, full length, 1989 on YouTube. It's really that easy. Charlie D. Francesca, full length, 1989 on YouTube. And you will learn something. And you can send us emails to InsideBaseballCast at Gmail to thank us. Enjoy your week. And we'll see you next weekend.